Hello and welcome to the We Are Birmingham podcast. I'm Chris Golding. I'm Matthew Elliott. I'd absolutely get my dong out. <laughs> and I'm pleased. <laughs> I'm pleased. <laughs> I had to get that in there. <laughs> I'm pleased to say uh, that we are joined by Daniel Ivory from Almagere.net and formerly Often Partisan. Daniel, how are you doing? Um, I'm not doing too bad. Not doing too bad at all. Okay, so the hearing is now been and gone. The points deduction is being announced, nine points, so it's certainly a, a little bit less than some people are expecting. What you what your thoughts on on the points that we've been deducted and uh, the plan going forward then? Um, I think Blues got away with it a little bit. I was expecting 12, so nine's a good result. Um, I was especially surprised that Blues weren't um, given any deduction for the Pedersen fiasco. It appears that the EFL registering him uh, torpedoed that, um, which makes sense, really. You know, if, if they're going to say it's against the rules, they should never have registered him, period. And as soon as they did that, they, they kind of, like, lost control of the situation. So fair play to Blues. They won that They won that uh, battle, but they've lost the war a bit. Um, going forwards, it's... I think the big thing to, un- to take from this, this is not a reset. Uh, the... This year's figures are due in uh, Friday, 29th. And, yes, yeah, yeah. You know, Blues have still still got targets to meet. And as it stands, I'm not sure we're meeting them. I really am not. I think we're going to have to sell Che in the summer, which I think was inevitable anyway. But Yeah, I think a lot of people are resigned to that fact anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am too. And it's just the other thing you've got to take into account as well is now they've done us once they're going to be watching us like hawks because there's a lot that came out in that decision that didn't paint blues in a great light and mm-hmm. i think you know people say oh they're paranoid you know people are a little bit paranoid and saying oh, if i don't like us well no they don't because we took the mick and now we're, yeah. we're now we're paying for it i mean do you think do you think overall and i think i probably know your answer that this is a this is a fair outcome and it's been a fair process. Um, okay, is it a fair process? I think there's an argument to say it isn't. It certainly took too long. Um, although I'm fairly sure both sides were guilty of kicking <clears throat> into the long grass and have it, you know, it not getting done till March. Um, I think there could have been more transparency involved. I don't like the way that the league uh, only actually came up there uh, only promulgated that's a great word promulgated their punishments uh, after Blues had like failed that's pretty poor as well but the outcome yeah. is reasonably fair and you've got to look at you've got to look at it because I, I read uh, Neil Harris Millwall's manager yesterday maybe the day before um, saying that he thought it was unfair that Blues should have been hammered more points he came across he's not like the only an angry one. little man didn't he he came across really aggressive I thought in that that interview maybe it was the way I read it but he seemed really really pissed off but I I, I understand where he's coming from and the the EFL the kind of made the, this clear in the decision they talked about it doesn't matter where we finished we had an unfair sporting advantage because we spent too much money um I saw Andy Holt, the guy who's uh, chairman of Accrington Stanley, say about a week or two ago, 
You know, we stayed up at someone else's expense. Yeah, we, we know we didn't grow up like Wolves did, but we stayed up at someone else's expense. How's that fair? Yeah. And as galling and as hard as it is to take for us Blues fans, I think we've got to understand we broke the rules. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I can see that side of things, but then at the same time, if you're going to start retrospectively punishing teams for last season, then Wolves would, would end up in trouble as well. It, it wouldn't just be a, a one-way thing, would it? <laughs> okay, so it's not about retrospectively punishing teams last season. You cannot punish a team until the reporting period is over, which is July the 1st. And the figures that were in this hearing were different from the figures I heard in, ju- in July. Um, I thought they were better, but actually, no, they were a little bit worse than the ones I heard in July. So, you know, it, it takes time. Accountancy takes time to put these things together. And then it's like a legal battle and legal stuff takes time too. And the EFL had it that they had to impose the punishment the season after the fail. So we failed at the end of last season. So this season we had to be punished and they have achieved that. So if anyone fails at the end of this season, they'll get punished next season. And I think, well, there's going to be a few teams who are a little bit nervous about it because the rules are set now, the precedent's been done. So on the subject of fairness, I noticed when looking at the PDF from the actual disciplinary hearing, within the report there is a mention of the fact that obviously we know that Trevor Birch should have been um, our representative on the panel and then there was yet to resign due to conflictions. He has ended up becoming the chairman of Swansea. And then we chose uh, a female and then the day after she signed on, she then ended up resigning. And then it looks like the EFO, the EFO, the EFL <laughs> chose our, I don't know what the fuck that was, uh, the EFL chose our panel representative for us. That seems a little bit weird. What's your thoughts on that? Well, it wasn't the EFL that chose, it was the chairman of the panel who was completely independent. The chairman's a guy called Charles Flint QC. That's it, yeah. And he's uh, he's one of the best mediators in the country. This is a guy who had to mediate uh, over the Libyan who was extraordinarily renditioned uh, by, illegally by the UK and he had to mediate that. This guy is, you know, the, the, the dog's bollocks, as it were, the bee's knees. This guy knows what he's doing. So if this guy says it was fair... I'm inclined to believe it was fair. Um, I'll tell you what I know. I'll tell you one thing I know, and you can make up your own mind about this. Uh, It's a Chinese thing to do to delay things by fudging things slightly and fucking up so things, delays happen. And I have a theory which I in no way can prove and please be sceptical about that the person who was appointed as a replacement member on the 27th of February that the club knew damn well she couldn't do it. But they did it because they thought it would buy them even more time. Uh, Peter Panu was a, a really good guy doing this sort of stuff. He would throw a wrench in the gears at the last minute and cause delays to things. And it's a classic Chinese tactic. So was it fair? I, yeah, I think, it, you know, I, I don't think it made any difference. I don't do think we have any idea who that, who that female was, just out of interest? I was... Because no one seems to have really spoken about it, and no, it hasn't. I don't know. I've yeah. not heard. 
We've got some some questions that have come through about next season. Um, moving on, uh, saying what's the chances of financial problems next season too? Uh, accounts still not good without sales. Um, asking about transfer strategy uh, strategy in the summer, um, and also whether we'll be starting over with a clean slate. Um, I, I know you answered this one. I, I can still answer it because it, it's worth it's worth saying. So what happens is is that um, normally teams are judged on a three-year rolling period. So like the season you're currently in, the two seasons before. Now, if Blues were judged on that rolling period, we would be we would start at twenty something million over, um, which isn't fair because it means to um, it means to be compliant this year. We would have to make a profit of twenty million, which ain't happening so what the league do is is for uh, in this sort of instance they they measure on just one season so we have to be within 13 million just this season and it's kind of um like it's not open a slate clean but it's given us a chance i also believe that if we're not far over we probably will be given a break because it's this trending thing that they talk about as well as if we're 33 million over yet last year and we're 14 million, uh, sorry, for 33 million lost last year, as per the document, and we're 14 million this year, just for argument's sake, they're not going to, you know, that's an improvement in 19 million. I think the league would let that slide simply because, you know, th- th- that's a lot of money to uh, to improve by. So is it a clean slate? Not really, but it's not the worst situation in the world to be in either. So there might be a bit of leeway there for, yeah, for, it- for trying. <laughs> Basically, as long as, well, we were given a business plan on the 1st of August. As far as I know, we're still on that business plan. There's nothing to say that we're off that and we're not embargoed anymore. So please bear that in mind. That should change, I think, once the appeal period's over, hopefully. But we'll see. Um, so I think this summer's going to be a prag- We've got to be pragmatic. Uh, we've got to continue to try and get rid of the high earners. So... I can see a shopping uh, uh, hotter around because, let's face it, forty-five grand a week, and there's a rumour that is he's, uh, he's, uh, he's got a Ziggich deal, the incremental, where it goes up every year, which I really hope isn't true. Yeah. Um, in in terms of return, you don't see a lot for that money, unfortunately. Yeah. Nope. As as much as we want to. Yeah. That's just it, you know. I, I, I know we'll lose a couple more high wages off, off the books. And I'm fairly sure that Gary Monk's not actually... I, I don't think... I think he knows where, where he's looking in the market. If he's going not quite rummage around the bins, as it were, but, you know, home bargains. Well, you, you'd like to think whether the plan is going forward and if, if we do still try to make some headway of getting some of the, the larger earners off the books and we'll obviously have players leaving at end of contracts and whatnot that we'll have a little bit more flexibility to to do something that you know is makes our transfers a little bit more interesting than 11 grand a week or whatever or 10 grand a week and um no fees and and, and whatnot so yeah fingers crossed that, that looks a little bit um more interesting going forward in, ter- in terms of what was asked about the um transfer strategy as well for next year that that's going to be one where I think it was just touched on, um, not not so much um, bargain basement, but 
the home bargains, for example, it's, it's gonna. I think we're gonna be sort of scrapping around for players, maybe in our league that are not quite not quite first teamers in the championship. Or it, it, I mean, we, we were looking around at them anyway, weren't we? But mm. just couldn't get them on board last season. So maybe we're still gonna be in that sort of market um, at, I, at least. At least until the Shea deal goes through and we've got a bit more to, to go with. I think we end up looking at free transfers from, from abroad again, potentially, or something along the lines. You want something like the Marabti deal, if possible. Players that you know want to try their hand over here maybe aren't good enough to, to play in the Premier League and have a bit of a, sort of a, a higher ceiling on them. So I certainly could see us, and I think we touched on it before, going for more players in the sort of realms of, of, of Marabti, certainly. I said the only thing with that is is the dreaded B word that's on the horizon. I don't know how that's going to mess up transfers. So I, I I can imagine that some football teams will be actually a bit sketchy about bringing talent from the continent because that could all very much change in the blink of an eye. Um, what the rules are. That's a good point. So let's see what happens. So this is still with regards to the. The hearings. Uh, I've got a question coming from Facebook. It's actually from my uncle, uh, Chris Elliott, who said, "What about those that had to leave?" So I think he's referring to your Roger Lloyd, your Julia Shelton, your Joe Sops. I assume they were gagged not to discuss FFP issues since they left. Did they try and stop or reveal the the acts going on? Now we obviously know from reading the the hearing. Um, notes from afterwards that there is a reference to Roger Lloyd and Roger saying um, basically telling Dong that we we shouldn't be signing the player but we went ahead and did it anyway so what can you tell us anything about that Dan or um, I, th- I think what's interesting is that well there was there was a written argument where the Dong basically said you know didn't didn't know we couldn't and then in his oral argument, in his oral statements, he kind of shifted a little bit. And, uh, you know, it, it was clear that um, he'd been told by Roger Lloyd that they couldn't sign, uh, that Blues couldn't sign Pedersen because uh, the registration embargo. Um, there's, there's reference to internal emails uh, about this and that they weren't submitted as evidence. So, um, Obviously, without seeing those emails, it's very, very difficult to understand uh, what what was in them. But the inference I t- took from that is that Blues didn't submit them because basically they made us made the club look bad. If if those emails if those emails uh, supported the argument that yeah you know we thought it would be okay, then they, they would have submitted it as evidence. The fact they didn't, the omission, I think, is absolutely crucial. And, you know, I, I can't help but think that uh, Roger Lloyd, Julius Shelton, Joel Sarp, Gary Moore were turfed out because um, I, I said at the time last year there was a toxic turf war going on. And based, uh, from what I know, they, they were not seeing eye to eye with Dung. Um, there was, uh, they, they complained about him from what I know. And then the chairman went, no, you know, you all need to, like, calm it down a bit, do what Dung says and, Look where we are now. But I, I think I think we've got to look at the positives from that as well. In that, okay, we lost a lot of experience, but now we've got we've got a senior management team that aren't arguing with Dong, 
and maybe things are a bit calmer. You know, you've got Kira Gallagher, Asif Gawaja, uh, Lungi Masibo. I don't know if I pronounced the name properly, so if I haven't, I'm really sorry. I've only read it. I've not heard it. Um, you've got those three in uh, Club Secretary, CFO, and C, uh, Chief Operating Officer. If they're going up getting on with things and not rubbing up against Dong, that's probably good for the club. The only thing I would say... Rubbing, is, up, rubbing up against Dong. Nice. Okay, got the mind. <laughs> we, we've got another one in there for next week. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway, if they're, if they're not um, causing... Well, there's, there's no clean way to say it. If they're not having problems with Dong... That dong out. Then that's better for the club in the short term. Yeah. You know, in the short term, the only problem I've got with it is I do believe that sometimes you need someone who's prepared to say to the boss, "Nah, mate, you're talking bollocks." And yeah. I hope those three have got the uh, not just the, uh, the the balls to do it, as it were, but the you know that they'll be supported if they say to Dong, "Look, mate, you're wrong here. We should do this," because you know a good boss listens. It might not always agree, but a good boss listens. Now, I'm not sure Dong does. Yeah, well, hopefully Dong's less hard now, anyway. <sighs> Fucking hell. Well, well, welcome to the nursery. <laughs> so, on the subject of Dong, and you've got, I think you've, you may have um, you may have sort of touched on it anyway, but it's a question from Lee Hyden, who <clears throat> obviously <clears throat> Dong may be a little bit culpable for some of the problems we've had throughout this whole process from the spending to the delay to you know just whatever went on in in the hearing and, and he said is there anybody potentially either here or hong kong that if dong was to go or to get the boot we could replace him with i guess that's a bit of a hard one because and i know you're i know you're like daniel so it's better the devil you're no, devil, devil you know and i'm just interested to know if you what you think on on that subject Okay, so I'm going to answer this in two parts. First of all, likelihood that Dong will get the boots. I think it's possible. Um, I'm, I'm fairly sure that by naming Paul Schwen in the um, uh, saying that it was his, uh, his call to get rid of um, Rowick to bring in managers to give massive budgets, that was a bit of a dumb thing to do because it was nothing to do with Paul Schwen. It was nothing to do with him. And Mr. Schwen has got Massive problems in Hong Kong as it is. You know, he's trying to keep his head low and then someone drops that kind of bomb. I can't imagine he's very happy. And if I was Dong, I'd be avoiding... I, I would not be uh, taking any calls from Hong Kong right now. Do you think if, that that's, that was... Sorry to put in. Do you think that that was perhaps a bit of naivety on his part, maybe thinking that what was said wouldn't come out and it has? Maybe. Maybe it's the actions of someone desperately not trying to say mere culpa. But if Don was to go, I, I, I dread to think who'd replace him because I know off the bat who it would who would who would want it, and that's Edward. And I'm really sorry to say, <laughs> but that would be even worse. Um, you know, I, 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 we'd, we'd go from a guy who got sacked after six months uh, for bankrupting the Chinese League One club to the former regional sales manager for Beijing, Rolls-Royce, in charge of the club. Yeah. No thanks. So, He's yeah. A, he, he likes ping-pong as well, I think. Like ping-pong with Dong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just, apparently, he's a very big ping-pong ping pong fan. So, there you go. 
a bit of so a. So you mentioned you mentioned Paul Swen there, and mm. who we all know, and there's been a few articles written by you over the past, I don't know, year or so, maybe a little bit longer now, around there, a certain Mr. King. Now, I believe he was, he visited Birmingham uh, on his tour of the UK just uh, recently, and he was actually down at St. Andrews and potentially West Hills last week. Um, was that, do you think that was in line with the hearing that had been going on? Was he here due to that? Was he here for something else? What can you tell us about that, if anything at all? Um, well, if you listen to people at the club, Mr. King doesn't exist. Um, I was told in no uncertain terms on Friday evening, Mr. King wasn't at St. Andrews and Mr. King doesn't exist. But I don't believe that for a second. He was there and yeah, he was there with his missus. Was he there for just that? I don't know. He's, I think he's got other business over here in England. So, yeah, something I'm not really at liberty to talk about at the moment, but I'm currently investigating. Um, Mr. King is a very busy man. Uh, that, 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 that doesn't sound good, you know. <laughs> something I'm investigating, but I can't talk about. That, that doesn't fill us with uh, confidence. Yeah. It doesn't fill me with confidence anyway. Uh, sorry, that's all I can say. Uh, <laughs> If you, I, I, well, Matthew has seen uh, like the walls in my flat are covered in post-its and I've got a load more to go up. Like I'm building, I'm trying, I've actually spent the last two days trying to work out how to create a visual database because there is that much crap involved with this. Being able to, re, being able to understand the, the connections is, is really difficult and I'm struggling with it. So I'm trying to figure out a way of doing it in such a way that people can see what a huge web of intrigue it is because it um, seven jurisdictions, um, <laughs> lots and lots of lots and lots of money. Um, I, I, I'll tell you one thing that might fill people with joy. I am certain Mr. King is a very, very rich man. Yeah. Yeah. But if we're feeling FFP, then what can we do about it? Really? That, that's mm-hmm. what I was going to say. Then <laughs> You, 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 as long as you've got a ship that's running steady, then the money's fine. But once you try and spunk that money that you're not allowed to, that's when you you land yourself in a bit of trouble. Which, as we've found out, I think. Don't let Dong spunk the cash. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't let Dong spunk it. <laughs> but, um, with regards to the actual points deduction and the, and the hearing, we've, we've got an opportunity to appeal. Uh, was it 14 days to appeal or something along those lines? 14 days, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you think we should and do you think they will? I hope to God we don't and I don't think we will. The reason I'd hope to God we don't is A, we could get hit with a harsher punishment. And B, we'll probably end up taking it next season, which would be horrific. Let's just get it over and done with. You know, nine points is not going to hurt us that badly. We shouldn't have a problem with going. Uh, we're staying up. Let's just take it on the chin and move on. Christ's sake. Yeah. I think from from what I've heard, I don't know if, if it's the same for you, but it sounds like they're they're not looking to appeal. So unless something has drastically changed in the last week, uh, I. I, I don't see that changing. So I personally, I personally think it'd be stupid to uh, to think about it now. I think just take it. You, I think we got off lightly. Everyone expects in twelve, maybe more, uh, maybe a fine as well. So I think, yeah, overall we've got off very lightly. Take it, 
try and stay up. We should be able to stay up. It's easier than than having twelve points taken off us. So definitely. I mean, I, I was quite. It was a weird sense of relief when it came when found out. It was just before that it actually went public. There'd been a few whispers going around that it was going to be nine points. If it's nine points, I'm happy with that, and I think we'll still be able to stay up. We won't even really get pulled into a proper relegation fight, to be perfectly honest. So I'm I'm pretty pleased with that. Yeah, uh, I think Sky Sports, uh, what was it, Soccer AM actually tweeted a, a, a thing out on Friday, was it? Friday afternoon, um, saying yes. Birmingham fans right now and saying how they were distraught. It's like, no, you've got it completely wrong because if you look at Blues fans at the moment, they're joyful and celebrating that it's nine points no fine and that we're it seems like we're going to be able to get back into trading as well so yeah. i think there's there's about 98 percent of blues fans maybe even 99 percent of blues fans seemed happy and almost celebrating the uh, nine points deduction and we must be one of the only fan bases that would do something like that there was only a handful of people that i saw that were really flipping their lid about it going going the other way uh, blues fans that is um but obviously we saw a few tweets from across the expressway saying it was disgusting and we should have been deducted more and then they started trying to tag on the jack Grealish assault onto the onto there as well but yeah there was only a handful of people on on a message board that i saw that were that really got up in arms about it but i just think this is i think it's a result for us as far as i'm concerned so Quite happy to to move forward with that. Yeah, Dan, what what's your what's the response been like to you uh, from your point of view? That, that people have messaged you. Uh, has it been fairly positive? Yeah, most people are fairly positive. There's, like Matthew said, there's the odd one or two who um, think they could have done a better job. You know, uh, uh, arguing the case. And I don't know. May, may, maybe they're unemployed barristers. I'm not sure. But <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really don't it's... think they could. Um, I think that. The thing you've got to understand from this is that, and this is one of the big problems I have with the process, it's so opaque. There's, there's, there's no information about it except the tiny little slivers we hear. So you look at this 15-page decision, but you can't see the all the evidence that went into the arguments that made that decision. So it's easy, you know, it's well and good for some people to go, oh, you know, I could have argued that better. But it, until you've seen the whole picture, you can't say that. And I, I say that. I'm smart enough to know I'm dumb. I'm smart enough to know that I've only seen a tiny part of the picture myself. And from the part of the picture I see, it looks like we, we did okay and we got away with it a bit. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so kind of like on Chris's subject of how has it sort of the response been to you, with, there's another question come from <clears throat> Facebook by a gentleman named Steve Portman who you, who you may well no, from previous experience, Daniel. Um, he said, does making things public knowledge make things better for a club or does it make it worse? I think he's trying to have a little dig at you there, but I'm going to let you answer it anyway. If he wants to have a dig, that's fine. Um, as far as I'm concerned, transparency is brilliant. The more we know, the more we're prepared for. Um, does it make things better for the club? Well, it probably it doesn't make things great for Dong that things are public. But you know what? Bollocks to him. If he does his job right, he's got nothing to worry about. It's as simple as that. And the fact yeah. is, in, 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 the, in those three months last summer, when it all came out, he was, he was not doing his job properly. You know, the, the, the decision says that um, one of the aggravating factors was the trend in increasing losses and 
that the club were doing this with like no with just wanton disregard um, for the rules. And again, you know, you look at I, I judge people by their I try to judge people by their actions. And what he what they, they quote from his written evidence and what they quote from his verbal evidence on the date pretty different. It's a guy who's changed his mind because he knows he's been caught out. And now he's just trying to lay the blame anywhere else but himself. I'd have much more respect for him if he went, you know what, mere culpa. I thought I thought we could spend more than we did. I, I, I guess wrongly that uh, I could trust these managers with the money. I, I you know, we, we did the wrong thing. I'm sorry, won't happen again. Fair enough, you know. Hold your hand up to it. Learn from the mistake, move on. But when you make excuses and you blame everyone else but yourself, you've got a problem. Yeah, and we we, we yeah. touched on it last week, um, suggesting that maybe Dung was seeing, or maybe higher up than Dung, was seeing what was going on at Wolves. Do you think that that could have been a factor in it as well? With Mend, with Gorge Mendes, and sort um, sort of basically having a real push for for, for promotion by because they're obviously Chinese owned as well. Aren't it? it is Chinese, isn't it? They're, Chinese owned yeah. Fosun, is it? They yes, yeah. I think there's a bit yeah. of competitiveness there between between and, and them. And Villa as well, exactly. obviously, because Doctor Tony and was Brom there Jalpin as time. well, and West Brom yeah. Jalpin too. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's yes. I think they probably did look at Wolves and think, well, you know, but the thing is, Wolves didn't get it right at first. It took them a couple of years to get it right. And it was only when they finally, when they brought in uh, Nuno Nuno Espirito Santo, and they brought in the players that Jorge Mendes sorted for them, that they really kicked on. You know, Jorge Mendes is going to bring in some quality players. You know, Ruben Neves, there was no reason for him to play in the championship last season. No. Whereas, what did we get instead? Checking Doy. You know, come on. We kind of got the the leftovers, if you'd like, from around the the world, um, rather than the the people that were going to be the up-and-coming stars, should we say. We got people that were on the way out. Um, obviously, Redknapp tried to distance himself from those signings. Um, do you reckon that was a case of them trying to use the same sort of business model that Wolves had used and just completely failed in it? That's how it um, seems to us. <laughs> no, I, actually, I'll be honest with you. I, I always get the impression that Birmingham City is a toy for uh, Mr King. You know, he's got a load of money. He wants, um, he wants the prestige of owning a... Well, he can't own a football club because of um, certain indiscretions in his past, but he wants the prestige of being you know, able to say, yeah, you know, I, I pay for that. Which is why last summer we went for Domagoy Vida. Um, King went, apparently Mr. King said to Dong, you know, I want a World Cup player. And they said, okay, we'll get this, we'll get this Croatian right back. And um, <laughs> thank God his club just laughed at us when we made an offer um, because that would have been a real mess. Um, yeah. If Pedersen was bad, that would have been even worse. <laughs> it, would, it would have been yeah. the Mickey take to end all Mickey take. And this was the problem last summer. I don't know if you remember, but how many players we were linked with, Bielkowski, Graben, all these players. You know? And I remember Alan Nixon saying at the time that Blues who were linked with them would push and then all of a sudden they go dead. Yeah. Because they couldn't, you know, so, and I, they must have pissed off so many people. But hey. So, Dan, just one final question. If you were in charge of the club and you were king, you you ran the, the, the whole thing, you were looking down on it, 
would you make changes within the structure of the club at the moment? Um, tricky question to answer, but I would look for a more long-term kind of basis. I think Gary Monk does a wonderful job. And I like the fact that Gary Monk's ethos is not just about what's on the pitch, it's about what's off it. So I would be looking to um, I would be looking to replicate that kind of ethos throughout the club. I read a really great article on BBC News the other day. Um, it was talking about the turnover of managers, and there was like the, when when clubs go for the wrong manager, like Harry Redknapp, and when clubs go for the right manager, like Gary Monk. And they said that the best club execs will always have um, a list of like managers they're watching. So if anything happens to their manager, they know who they're going to go after straight away. And I like that. I, I think that's sort of the kind of thing we should be doing. Where you know we should have like a list of like like um, like-minded managers that you know we will be looking at players as well. You know you, you want to be watching hundreds of players all the time so that you know if like for instance Che Adams goes, you know you can get a player like him from this club and who will fit in. He's got a similar sort of play style of playing the picture. He's got a similar style of temperament. You'll link up well with this. You know, you've got to think in that sort of way. It's joined up thinking. The biggest problem blues have is that there are parts of the club that just aren't well, they aren't joined up. So the whole senior management team, the toxic turf war was a problem last year. That's, that's changed now. Thank God. But like from there's got to be joined up thinking from the academy to the under 23s to the first team so that it's a seamless transition and I don't think that's quite there yet. I think there are, there, are, there are slight differences of opinion there as well. It's very difficult to get everyone singing from the same hymn sheet, but you get the right... It, you, the whole... I'm a big fan of the sporting director role, but you need someone really special to hold it. And the only person right now who I've seen who's done it really well um, is Dan Ashworth and... Albion did a great job, but England, he's doing a great job. I think the reason the England team is so good, and they are so good right now, is because of the pathways that Dan Ashworth has helped to promote. So that you've got players coming through from the 17s, 19s, 21s, all the way through to the national team. And there's a similar ethos coming through it all. And this has to be the same at club level. I think it's it's a, it needs to be a more of a macro thing. But... It's utopia thinking, man. I'll just, I'll just settle for staying. Bit of a holy grail. <laughs> I'll just settle for staying up, you know, and playing, playing nice football next year. That'll do me. Do you, talking about next year, do you think that Gary Monk will stick around at the end of the season now? Yeah, I do.
So we touched on the released and retained list last week and the second part seemed to have come through this week. Yeah, as we said it would. Yeah. Yep, as we thought. Yeah, so it's the under twenty three uh contract announcements and I mean we discussed some of them uh last week anyway, but just to have a, a quick browse, you've got Odin Bailey who gets a I think he was already on a professional deal, but he's been offered a two-year extension. He had a fairly impressive loan spell at Gloucester City that I think he said it was quite an eye-opening experience for him to go out and play men's football. And he certainly seems to have come back all, all the better for it. Uh, Geraldo Bajrami as well. So one of the stars of the under-18 FA Cup run. Uh, I think it was last season, was it? When we got yeah, it was last, last season, yeah. But I always thought when I watched some of their games, I thought he looked very assured at, uh, at centre back. Maybe a He's little been ca- captain in the under twenty threes this year, hasn't he? I think. Yes, he has. Yeah, and you can yeah. tell that he, may, he he looks like he reads the game really, really well. And say he's um, he he may be a little bit lightweight, but I think he's probably only still only eighteen anyway, so he's got plenty of times. But he's been offered a two year two year contract. Joe Redmond, who's been partnering him recently, and obviously got called up to was it Ireland. Yeah, we spoke about that already, haven't we? I'm trying to remember which one it was, but yeah. So he has been rewarded with a, a two-year deal as well. Um, Hutton, so the right back, obviously had an unfortunate uh, foot break uh, earlier on in the season and missed quite a lot of the season so far. He's given a two-year contract. He played against QPR uh, during uh, sort of last weekend. I think we won four-one, and Vassell got a couple of goals. The one that surprised me is Ollie McCoy. Now, we signed him from, I think, was it Beaconsfield uh, a few seasons ago? He's, what, 21 years old now, or 21, or 20, 21 years old. Yeah. A winger who's featured pretty much consistently in every game this season and played pretty well. And I was, I thought if he was ready to make that step up, he may have been in and around the first team which he hasn't but you know they've they've given him a, a one year offer and they've also done the same to to Jake Weaver who again was behind Truman earlier on in the season is now behind Camp and Truman and he's just gone on loan again I think to Hensford I, th- I think I read thoughts on those so um, talking about Odin Bailey on Tilton Talk on Monday James Beattie was on and he, he said that Odin Bailey has been training with the first team recently I think that loan deal at Gloucester has done him the world of good. Um, and I know from what you told me before, Matthew, that um, Richard Bill was trying to get uh, them to play competitive football with men to kind of like, not just the technical aspect, but the mental aspects, because you know how big that is. Um, is it Badrami or Boyrami? Um, Badrami, yeah. But if Geraldo, if you're listening, you're from. which I doubt you are, I apologise, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I've heard nothing but good things about him. 
You know, he's, he's 18. He's captain in the under 23s. I think I don't think he's going to be a first team. You know, it, it's one it's one of those positions where it's really hard to become a first teamer at 18, 19. But it's one. Of, he's yeah. in a situation now where I reckon they're going to have to give him loan time um, at a, a lower league club so that he can understand. You know, so he gets into the the whole match preparation thing. It's just really sad about you know Carl, Carl McFarlane, Josh Martin, so people people might remember Josh Martin under Lee Clark, or you know he was fifteen, he was meant to be like the next big thing and all this, and um, now he's been he, you know he's, uh, he's he's been told to find another club. He was on trial at Wigan. McFarlane scored a hatful, but he's just not got it to step up a level. Yeah, it it, it, it we touched on it last week. We touched on it last week that it it is it's always hard to it, it has to happen obviously but it's it's just a hard time that you're having all these footballers that you you had high hopes for and then cheerio right, is the door but the, the good thing about blues is i think we actually do look after them as well we try our hardest to to find them placements yeah they, they put the word out for them i know that they they do a lot of looking out for them so there's that side of things with them I was going to say, you've got to take heart from, like, a good example is Reese Brown. You know, he was meant to be the next big thing, didn't make it with us because of supposed attitude problems, which I, I do believe. Went to Forest Green, he struggled there for a while, but now it's clicked. And now look at him. And now he's got yeah. a real chance at making it. And it's like, he's still young enough to do it. And I think any player that gets released at 18, uh, 20, 21, 22, you know, the, you, you've got to... They've got to make a decision in their in their head. You know, am I going to carry on with this or not? But if they want to, there's no, you know, they they can still make. There's still potential to do it. But you know, you just have to start a little bit further down the pyramid. That's all. I mean, yeah, the, the, the Reese Brown thing actually creates a nice segue because I was going to bring him up anyway. So <clears throat> I guess you guys would have seen the video footage of his goals for for Forest Green this season. He scored a, who's been involved in about nine, seven, eight, nine goals or something in the past. Isn't it? Wasn't it something like he's been involved in the last eight goals that they've scored, whether it's scoring them or getting assists and and he's them. scored some absolute crackers there. But um, I mean. Greek Blunos on Twitter actually mentioned it the other day, and, and we had a bit of a, a, a brief conversation with a couple of other people. But the um, Mark Cooper actually said that last season, um, Reese Brown had been sleeping in. He hadn't been training very hard. He'd be turning up late. He'd be the first person to leave. He wasn't in the gym, and they're all exactly the same things that Gary Rowett said about him. So, you know, it's it's taken Reese for probably uh, 18 months before, maybe or maybe a year to 18 months at Forest Green for the penny to drop properly for him there as well. And now he's really starting to put the effort in, playing really, really well. And, you know, his, his contract comes to an end with, with Forest Green at the end of the season, whether or not he signs a new one there. They have offered him one, but he's not signed it yet. But, I mean, he's the sort of player that we know can play higher up the, higher up the, the league ladder. And I think he probably will do, but... For for me personally, I think I'd like to see him stay there for another season or two. But we're crying out for a midfielder like that right now. But whether or not it's time for him to to jump up back up to the championship, I'm I'm not sure. It's a big step up from league. Was it league two? Forest Green are in or league one? Yeah, league two. They're in the, in the playoffs at the moment. I mean, yeah, it's a massive step from league two. 
to be fair, he looked in. He, he looked pretty good in the championship in the few games he played. He had a handful of games in uh, under Lee Clark where he looked pretty decent. He came on that time as I think it was against Cardiff, and him and Jack Stora came on. Um, Jack Stora's a, a story for another day potentially, but um, he they came on against Cardiff in the season. I think it was probably the season when Rowett got fired. Uh, but both come on did really really well, so we know Reece Brown has the potential to do it at that. But it's just it was just his application. It looks like that his application and work ethic has has changed now. Like he's he switched on. He realizes what he needs to do. He's probably looked at people like Damari Gray because I mean there at one point you know Reece Brown was ahead of Damari Gray, and look how their careers have have gone in completely different directions since since those days. In fact, I remember, Dan, we went to a pre-season friendly. Uh, Lee Clark was still in charge. They brought, it was, I think we played Swansea potentially, or maybe, I think it was Swansea. And we were sitting, if you remember, if you remember, we were sitting behind, oh, it wasn't Swansea, it might have been Hull City actually. We were sitting behind Damari Gray. And when Reese Brown came on, Damari Gray was uh, in the stand near us and he stood up and gave him a round of applause. And that was just a pre-season friendly. It's it's crazy to think, obviously, Damari Gray is now a Premier League footballer. The Premier League winner. Premier League winner, yeah. You forget about that, don't you? <laughs> I've got a Reese Brown story in that I remember Reese Brown playing for our reserves uh, in like what was pretty much his last game. I think it was Nikola Zigic's last game as well. And Reese Brown didn't do interviews at all. Um, and I was there. Brian uh, Brian Dick was trying to get an interview with him, and he talked to him. And he said, because Damari Gray just won, like, a, a Premier League winner's medal. I was like, and Damari Gray was there as well. And I, and I remember talking to Brian after, uh, after it, and he was saying, like, you know, do you think he's looking at Damari going, Jesus, where's it gone wrong for me? And I was like, I hope yeah. it has. I, hope, I hoped it had. And evidently, it's just taking a little bit longer, but maybe now. And the thing is, as well, it's like he looks like he's enjoying his football. You know, he looks like he's he's really enjoying it, and that's the big thing. I think uh, you've got. I don't think he was enjoying it at Blues. Um, I really think he, he he had so much more in him. I saw him play twenty threes games where. He, if we'd have taken the game by the scruff of the neck, he'd you know he bossed it, but he just couldn't be asked. I remember one game where he actually shouted to the coach that he doesn't do headers. <laughs> <laughs> that was right, yeah. yeah. We we saw him again. We saw him. I think it was against Solly Hull as well when we were sat with Lee Clark. If you remember, Dan. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He he absolutely bossed that game as well. But we've seen him do it in the championship. I think it was a Yeovil game when we lost two 0 and that very weird, horrible period that I know Chris has zoned out from, but he was head and shoulders above any Blues player on the pitch that day, but to be honest, that wouldn't have been that hard. But yeah, it's good to see him anyway, trying to turn his career around. Hopefully he goes on and, and does some uh, more interesting things and hopefully, you know, we might cross paths again at some sometime in the future if he's, uh, he's going to be uh, switched on and ready to play championship football. Who knows? So, West Brom on Friday. League football is back again, thankfully. Although, I did quite enjoy the international break for once. With in, in two pretty good performances from, from England. Enjoyable uh, as well. Yeah, very enjoyable. And despite the um, 
sort of the ill, Ill nature of the uh, Montenegrin fans on on Monday night. But uh, it was good to see how mature our, our England players are, um, had responded to that. So yeah. I don't know if you take Clive Tilsley's word for it, then it was a. Uh... He went over the top and was asking for trouble. Stupid. No, uh, yeah, I mean that's yeah. I mean, I tend to tend to ignore comments like that. To be honest, I think they all coped with it really, really well, as they generally always uh, I, do. I agree. I agree. But onto the onto the matter in hand and Friday night, the baggies. How are we feeling about it? I'm feeling great. So I'm going to be in Tallinn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to be in Estonia. I'm, I'm on holiday on Friday, so I'll be watching it in a bar in Estonia somewhere. Um, the international pissed. Break, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Um, the international break couldn't have come at a better time for us. You know, we, I think we all. Um, the Millwall game was just horrific. Uh, I remember I was I was sat with my friend Danny, and uh, we were just remarking on how tired players looked. You know, just how utterly shattered. Hopefully. A, Two weeks after, I've had some, I've had a bit of a rest, a bit of a recharge. Now we've got a chance to, you know, start start up again. You know, it's the last run of games. I, I'm not convinced the baggy. You know, they, they've not replaced Darren Moore. I don't even know who their new manager is. This James Shan guy. I, I don't know anything about him. So, um, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more confident than maybe I should be. But yeah, I think the, I think generally people have. Have got a little bit of confidence about the game. I'm not quite sure where it's came from, considering the the run that we're on. Um, maybe it was that the nine points instead of twelve sort of went to people's heads, and all of a sudden, unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a bit of, it's a bit of an odd one. I've seen I've seen quite a few people say they're they're feeling pretty positive about it. I mean, even I don't feel like we're gonna lose this game if there's any game that we're going to get points from over the next I think it's the next three so we've got Leeds and Sheffield United after that as well this is the game to get those those points as far as I'm concerned we touched on it last week and we said that we've got a a shit run coming up but I'm I'm included in that that I actually feel like it's I'm not downbeat about it I actually think that we could get something on Friday and I don't know maybe I've just been caught up in it but I could see us getting at least a point we do play better against good teams we do yeah we do love that game we always have done as well (laughs) and teams that try to play football around us as well which you know typically West Brom have tried to do this season um I assume they're still trying to play in that that sort of mould. We tend to play pretty well against. We set up, sort sort of hit them on the counter. So, fingers crossed. And just on your comment about James Shan, uh, Dan, he um, he actually used to be part of the coaching setup at Blues a few years back, uh, quite a long way, like quite a long time ago. He's been at um, West Brom since two thousand and six, I think. So. But uh, yeah, he was at Blues prior to that for a, for a short period, doing some form of coaching. Did not know go. that. Use uh, a completely useless bit of information for you, but there you go. Great knowledge. <laughs> was that Wikipedia? Uh, I was just doing a bit of quick quick bit of research as well. Apparently, he's a Blues fan, but I mean, I don't. I'm, I'm reluctant to believe that unless I actually hear somebody say it. Um, 
in person or on some form of television or radio broadcast. So, uh, there we go. Right. Talking about them attacking teams and leaving gaps open for the counter-attack, with that in mind, do you think it's potentially a game for Hata? Um... Yeah, I mean, it's, to be, he, he had did a well good against game. them earlier in the yeah, season. Yeah, so. he had a good game against them before, and he he scored and missed a penalty, didn't he? But yeah, yeah, he, I would never want to see him take a penalty again. Never, yeah. ever, <laughs> ever again. Uh, yes, it could be. I don't feel like, and I think a few people have touched on it already. I don't feel like he's in the manager's good books or in the coaching staff's good books. But you know, hopefully, the uh, international break and you know maybe he got really aggressive and hyped up during paintball last week and you know and he's back in monk's good books who knows but um that wasn't a completely weird comment then i did notice i'd gone paintballing last week i don't know if anyone else saw that i didn't no there you go so yeah you also thought what are you talking about they went paintballing so fair enough yeah (laughs) so uh they're going to be covered in bruises then yeah, on Friday night. Yeah, well, yeah. Hopefully, if if Hot has been shot, he might he might be out for a, a month now. If he's been caught shot by a paintball, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, do you uh, change the team? Stick with what what performed well against Preston? Do you think? Or um, yeah, I'm trying to think what the team was. Now it seems like it's such a long time ago, and it wasn't. It wasn't hey, a long time ago. Mahoney on the wing. Yeah, I think Mahoney had a good game, didn't he? Yeah, but um, he did all right. Um, yeah, I'd probably go with the same team that played against Preston. They, they did fairly well, you know. Um, I think I don't think Hotter should start. I really don't. Uh, oh, is um Kiftenbeld suspended? Yes, yes, he uh, is. So there is a change. Yeah, there was a Gardner brothers in the middle, maybe. Uh, I that's what I would potentially go with, but I think he'll go with Davis, won't he? I think he'll want the despite the fact that Davis's legs aren't still not at the level that we're used to them. I think I think he'll probably go with that because he's a little bit more mobile than yeah um, than Craig. Well, yeah, although, I, I did notice. I did. I did find it a bit strange in the week actually that um, when the under twenty threes played, that Davis didn't play. I thought he might have actually got a bit of game time under his belt yeah he still needs he looks like there. he needs more game time his first touch looks bad and he doesn't look as mobile as normal they might consider you know bringing I know they wanted Lakin to get more football under his belt but obviously with his sending off against Millwall in the 23s he couldn't get another. he couldn't get the game in against QPR last week but yeah. he might come into contention because you've had his contract extension now um, we know Monk likes him potentially he could be could be involved there as well. Certainly with Kefton Bell out, you'd sense it might be an opportunity for him, but I think probably hasn't had enough football, so he probably won't go with him. But a couple of options there to, to, to go with. I think he'll probably go with Davis. I think I would like to see both the Gardeners. I know Craig isn't flavour of the month with a lot of our fans, but I still think he's our best, the best passer of the ball in, in midfield, certainly. So... He'd have your guts for garters if he heard you. Yeah, no, well, he, he, he'll probably will hear this and he will probably will fool me up on it, but, you know, <laughs> grim, don't care. <laughs> I, I just think there's there's so limited options in there at the moment. It's 
Well, the problem is we've got a, players. Yeah, we've got a handful of players that can play that position, but they're all kind of like just a different shade of each other, aren't they? Almost, it's not. There's no real technical ability in there. We've got Gary Garner's probably the best all-round midfielder because he's got a little bit of mobility. He can he can intercept, he can tackle, he can pass the ball to a fairly decent level. But then you've got Craig, who's a better passer but can't do much else. Kefton Bell can run around a lot, intercept, tackle. You know, Davis is is it's probably more of that the Gary Gardner type player, but he is really, really struggling at the moment in terms of getting back to fitness. So we won't probably see the best of him until till next season now. Yeah. So with that all in mind, predictions? 1-1. Uh, one, one. Dan? Yes, I was going to say 1-1. One, one. Um, do you know what? Do you know what you can? And I'm also going to say 1-1. One, one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a 1-1 one, one across the board, is it? We can't like all be it. wrong, can we? <laughs> well, I'd, I'd take I take one one. Me personally, I think we only need we probably only need four points. To, I think four points would be enough for us to stay up. I know people look at that and think that's not very ambitious, but I think the quicker we get to what we're we on now, forty one with the points deduction. I think the quicker we get to forty five, I think that that should be enough to see us stay up. So. A point will do for me, away from home against a promotion contender, and then we uh, roll on to Leeds next weekend. Right then, Daniel, thank you for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Until next week, keep right on. Keep right on. Keep right on.